Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. I'm Tim Blevins, lead pastor, and I'm honored you have come to join us. To experience our full service or for more information, check out the links in the description. I hope this message ministers to you and helps you find life in Jesus. <laughs> Don't you feel like that little 70s disco going on in here? <laughs> Probably shouldn't. Welcome to church, everybody. We're so glad you're here. And I want to give a great welcome to our first time guest with us. Can you all join me in giving a welcome to them? We're so glad you're here. Welcome to church. Welcome to church. Well, we are in a series called Reset, and the focus of our series is a 21-day fast. And so we began this fast last week as a way to reset our focus on the Lord for 2024. And so if you were not with us last week, I want to give you a quick recap. I want to give you an opportunity to, to jump in with us and be a part of our church-wide fast. It's a powerful experience as a church together. And so I don't want you to miss out. And so I want to give you some things about it. We began fasting, though, as a church almost 20 years ago. Like, this is not the first time for us. Matter of fact, our very first year as a church, we set aside 21 days of fasting. And I remember it plainly because it was probably the first time I had really fasted that serious for 21 days. And it was, it was like, I learned a lot about myself. I learned how weak I was. I learned how much I like banana pudding. And I learned how much I, I don't like to eat fruits and vegetables all the time. And so it was quite an experience. But I'll say this to you, that the fasting that our church has done has been the key to releasing more of God's presence and his power in our church services. And I'm so grateful that we are a church that has focused on praying and, and, and just being close to God. And, and I'll tell you, in those early days, um, we weren't very good as a church. We, we really weren't. We were, listen, if it wasn't for the power and the presence of God, we wouldn't be here today. And so, because it wasn't out of talent, it wasn't out of skill, it wasn't out of a building. We, we genuinely just said, God, we need you. And we fasted and God continued to show up. He was faithful and his presence was here. And I'm just so grateful that we are not dependent upon our strength alone. Today, I believe as we sit in this building with a very full room today, praise the Lord, but I believe the, the fasting of the past has now given us the ability to see the fruits in our church today. And I want to remind you of this, that no, we weren't very good then, and we're still not good enough to do what God wants us to do. We're still just in desperate need of God. There's, there isn't any way that, that I can be good enough to do what God wants to do. I can't be strong enough. I can't preach loud enough. I can't encourage the worship team to give their all enough. For God to do what he's going to do, he needs a church that will humble themselves before him and fast and pray and seek him and be completely dependent, wholly dependent on God. And personally, I, I will let you know that in my life, I, I know that without a 
fresh move of the Holy Spirit in my life, then my preaching will be really stale. Without his presence in, in my leadership, we'll never move this church to where God wants it to go. I'm very aware of my need of God's help. I'll, I'll say it like this, and I, I'm, not, I'm not one to self-deprecate. That, that's not, I actually really like me. I'm, I'm good with me. I'm very confident in me. So, but, but I will let you know that what you are experiencing today is not based off of my gifts and talents, not based off of my training. You see, I, I never went to Bible college. I, um, listen, you are listening and following a college dropout. I, uh, I fell into the temptations of, of the world. Appalachian State had a way of driving me to things that were really unhealthy in my life. And, and as a result, it crashed my college time. And I went home and began to seek God and he began to put my life back together. And his calling on my life has nothing to do with my ability to speak. My calling has everything to do with my dependency on the Holy Spirit and the move of God. And the reality is that you're here today not because of our amazing team, and I'm proud of our team. You're not here because of a, a pretty building. Somehow, some way, God's presence has been evident in this church for almost 20 years and people come in hungry for more of God and not more of a program and they find the Holy Spirit and they find their life transformed because of what God does in their life. Amen. So fasting to me is very, very important because it's in fasting that I I say no to me. It's, it's like a, a reduction of me. It's like no to parts of my life so that God can be bigger in my life. And I want him to be what shows up on Sundays. And I want him to be what shows up on my Mondays. And so I fast and pray. And I believe that this season for our church, 21 days of fasting is, is very, very important to us as a church as well. Because I'm so happy you're here, but I want to reach so many people. And I want your life to continue to be able to drink from the presence of God. And the reason that you will experience God is because his presence continues to show up here. The worship today was rich, so rich today, because his presence was here. Amen. I was singing that song about lay down the, your crowns. And part of me started thinking about laying down anything that I looked at myself and thought, look how good you are, Tim, because I'm like, I'm not good enough. But then the Lord spoke to me and said, also lay down your failures because they don't identify you either. Too many people are wearing the crown of their last failure. They're wearing the crown of their last mistake. 
And, and they're, they're walking around with an identity that says, I'm not good enough. And let me tell you, he is holy, holy, holy. He is good enough. And if you'll surrender your life to him, then you will be good enough for all that God wants in your life. Can I get an amen, church? I'm preaching before the sermon. Fasting disconnects us from the world. Now, I want you to know that God doesn't need your suffering. He, he, you don't have to pay your dues to get God to love you a little more. That's not what fasting is about. But when we disconnect from the world, we can reconnect with God in prayer. And so we are disconnecting from things and, and from foods and there are things that we can disconnect from so that more of his spirit and his presence can be in our life. And so during a fast, I like to disconnect from things. I like to disconnect from secular music. So when I'm in my truck, I drive a truck. I'm an old mountain boy, I got a truck. And I like to listen to some country music, but right now it's 90.5, right? Because I want the presence of God. I want to take a season where I'm disconnecting from the world. I reduce my TV time. I reduce social media time. I reduce watching the news during this season. Listen, I, I want the voice of God to be telling me what's gonna happen ahead and not the news telling me what's gonna happen ahead. I want the voice of the Lord more than the voice of a talking head on the news. I eliminate some foods in my life. I, I, I get rid of all sugars in my life and, and I like sugar, I do, I like it. I've, I've stopped snacking at night after eight o'clock. Now, if you are here last week, I said seven o'clock. I had to adjust a little bit. <laughs> Come on, everybody. It's 21. Easy. Try again. 21. Easy. Listen, you know what? You just have to evaluate every now and then and find out really who you are. And I'm an eight o'clock no faster. So <laughs> turned out I was getting home too late, eat. I had to get a, some sort of a snack. That I ate my peanuts and closed it up by eight o'clock. I... I break the snacks, I, I'm out of the breads and no soft drinks and, and, I, and I'm unhooking from things. I'm, I'm, I'm disconnecting from the things of the world so that I can dive deeper into prayer, into reading my word. And this year I have some specific things on my heart that I'm praying for personally. And I'm like, Lord, I really wanna see this come to pass this year. And I'm praying and so I wrote them down specifically and, and when I find myself hungry and I'm, and I'm finding myself at night when I want to be grabbing for something to eat. I'm like, Lord, I'm turning to you in prayer and I'm lifting up these things to you. I'm praying, I'm seeking God. And I believe that as I do this, that the Lord has spoken and I believe he said it and I said it last year and I'll say uh, last week, but I'll say it again, but I believe this is my year. But I want you to know, I believe this is your year too. This is your year, I prophesy that to you. You're gonna see God do some things in your life. If you want uh, me and our prayer team and our staff at our church to join you in your specific prayer request, then take a connection card that's at your seat and, 
and write on the back my, my fasting prayers and this is what I'm asking God for. And you write those down and then put them in the box at the back and I will see those this week. I will look at every card and I will pray over your prayer request and our team will pray over your prayer request because we want to partner with you because we want this to be your year. But it needs to be a year that God has moved in your life. And so as you're fasting and praying, I believe that this can be your year as well. So I want to share with you some types of fasts. There's a complete fast, which would be a, a water and maybe juice only. I've never fasted complete fast for 21 days. I have, have gone a day. Uh, Yahoo. <laughs> that would be a tough one, I'll tell you. But listen, God may call you to a day, two or three. There's a selective fast, and this is what I'm doing. It's a selective fast where I'm selecting some foods and some drinks to fast. The most common type of selective fast would be the Daniel fast, and you can read about that. You can go study the Daniel fast. There's a partial fast. This is where you can eat everything you want except you skip a meal or two through the day. So maybe you skip breakfast and that's your time you're really going to seek God. Maybe you skip lunch and that's the time you really seek God. Maybe you skip breakfast and lunch and then you feast in nights. And, and so maybe that's your, your fast. And there's one other type of fast. And I learned this from Pastor Chris Hodges down in Church of the Highlands, but he calls it a soul fast. And what he's talking about are those things that attach themselves to our soul and and we can unhook from those things, disconnect from those things. Things like, that'd be like the social media, the music, the TV news and movies and gaming and things like that. And so this fast is up to you. Whatever you're going to fast, you pray about it. I encourage you to jump in with us and be a part of this. And I believe that God will move in your life. And I believe you'll experience him in ways that, that are fresh and new for you. And so I encourage you. If you started fasting last week and... You're, you're a week into it, congratulations, good job, I'm proud of you. Um, you've done it so far and, and keep going, don't give up. I found in my life week two is sometimes the difficult mental week. The first week seems like exciting almost, although it's not, but in your brain you're like, I'm excited because I'm gonna do something and, and there's just a lot of a lot, you know, thinking and learning and growing and experiencing and so there's all that. But week two, it kind of settles out and in your mind, you're like, is something really happening? Is it really working or not? Is is anything happening in the heavenlies? And and, and you can kind of go, I don't know. And then you, you tend to want to slip and cheat a little bit. And so I want to say to you, keep going and keep believing God and keep fasting and drawing close to Him. I believe God will meet you in your fast, amen? Also, just one more thing. Worship is another way to connect with God. Worship is so beautiful when we, we stand before him and we say, God, you are worthy, 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 holy, 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 and, and we experience him. And, and we scheduled our night of worship to be in the middle of our fast as a way to, to encourage you in your fast and to encourage you to, to just connect with God in, in fresh and deep ways. And so um, as uh, Lachlan, happy birthday, Lachlan, but as Lachlan shared today um, about our fast, I mean about our worship nights at 7 p.m., but I want to encourage you to come really early. Come an hour early. Come 30 minutes early. The, the coffee shop will be open, which I'm excited about because I'm not fasting coffee. Uh, 20, you ready? 21? Now, here's the deal, though. Um, coffee's a bean. It's, it's, it's okay. It, it's, it's, 
Don't shake your head at me. It's okay. <laughs> so come early, get some coffee, um, hang out with your friends and fellowship. We got this beautiful lobby out there and you can meet people. If you're new, come in early and just walk up to some people and go, hey, I'm brand new and get to know folks and make this your church. It's a great way to do it. So can I get an amen? amen. All right, let me pray because I actually have a message for you. Um, that was not the sermon. Um, so just that was warm up. I just got you ready. So I think I'll just pray and get us going. Father, we thank you for this day. And I thank you, Lord, that this is our year. This is the year for our church. This is the year for my life. And this is the year for your life. And so, Father, I pray that as we are fasting and praying, that you would encourage us. And those who are new with us today, and as they make a decision to, to jump in for the next 14 days to fast and pray, Lord, I pray that we would experience you and we would draw close to you. We would know you more and more. Bless this message that I'm about to give, Father. Let your... Your words be, my words be your words and make it have impact in Jesus' name. Oh, and one more thing, Lord. I pray that you will comfort the Green Bay Packers after they lose this afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, my. If you've been around long enough, you know you're gonna get it. Do we have any Packers fans in here? I love you, I do, I love you. It's okay. We, do, we don't live and die out of football, but it's a lot of fun. Hey, listen, I want to talk to you today about resetting priorities. And I will title this Resetting My Priorities because I want to reset my priorities, but I want you to read it, personalize it, Resetting My Priorities, because fasting is an automatic reset of our habits and our priorities in life. And, and this is important because our priorities shape us into the person we want to become. They're what shape us into who we want to become. But all too often we allow the urgent things of life to take precedence over our walk with God, over our priorities. As an example, during the Christmas season, we, we allow Christmas cookies to take precedence over our eating habits. Anybody? We also find ourselves in the winter months when it's gloomy and cold. And we don't want to go outside and exercise. So we let the weather take precedence over our exercise and our health. But also, I find that often the busyness of life takes precedence over our priority of seeking God. And that's why we're having reset. We want to reset our hearts and we want to be close to God. And I want to take us to the book of Matthew chapter 6 for just a few minutes today. And in it, you're going to find how Jesus helps us to reset our priorities. And I'll give you a little context on the chapter, Matthew chapter 6. And so the context of this is that just before this was written, um, and just before Jesus had launched his public ministry, God called him into a fast. And Jesus fasted for 40 days. And during the 40 days, the enemy came and tempted Jesus and tried to derail him before he even got started on his ministry. But Jesus overcame the temptations of the enemy. And immediately coming out of that fasting time, he began to declare and preach that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. And then he went around and he began to heal all the sick. And he began to cast out demons and 
And his fame grew quickly within the region and large crowds began to gather around him. And he began to teach people how to live for God. So it was like, hey, you need to encounter God through the miracles, but there's a point where we start living for him and living according to the Bible and the truths and the principles of the scriptures. And so he begins to teach that as well. And so the first most significant moment we find in scriptures of Jesus teaching the people how to live is in the book of Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And these three chapters, when you read them, are really one long sermon by Jesus, and it's called the Sermon on the Mount. So if you just want to read his sermon, you can go to chapter 5 and read it, and you'll read his sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. Now, years ago, we went to Israel, and we had an opportunity to go to where they believed was the place that he preached the Sermon on the Mount. And the reason they believed that was it was like an amphitheater and his voice, the natural voice without amplification would echo throughout an area and people, large crowds could hear someone from one side to the other. And so Jesus had a crowd of people and they were following them and he then begins to teach them. So I'm going to jump us to chapter six to the end of it because I had a long opening. I may not get all the way to the end of my message. I'm going to give you the last part. All right. I'm going to Give you the last and I'll back up and tell you the whole thing, all right, if we get there. But the last part is this, when he was summarizing Matthew chapter 6 in verse 33, he says it like this. He says, he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. And so on this hillside, Jesus taught the people that their first and their number one priority in life is to seek God above all else. To put him first. That's why we're seeking him first in January. I want to give my heart, my life, my dedication to him in January, like a tithe of my life in January, so I'll receive the blessings all year long. That's why it's helpful to pray in the mornings before you start your day. You're like, God, I'm seeking you first in the day. But this verse isn't just about time, it's about priority. And it's about making Jesus the center of your life and making God the priority of your life and seeking him above all else that nothing else in life compares to being close to God. There's nothing more important in your life than your walk with God. Nothing else. Your relationship with God is, is more important than your job and your career. Your relationship with God is more important than the money that we can make. Your relationship with God is more important than your education. Your education, I'm sorry, your, your walk with God is more important than your house and where you live, what town you live in. Everything is based on God, you are my highest priority. And if you will do that, there's a promise that is in this scripture and it promises it like this. It says the promise of the kingdom of God, and this is Jesus's promise. This aren't Tim's words. This is Jesus's promise. But he says, if you will make Jesus your highest priority, then the things you need in your life will be found in him. Everything you need in life is found in him. If you'll make him your highest priority, the most satisfying part of your life will be found in Jesus. The best way to find your purpose and, and live with meaning in your life is to seek and serve God as your highest priority. And people search for help and hope in so many ways. But I want you to know that if you will 
put God first in your life, you'll find the healing that you need. You'll find the comfort you need. You'll find the peace that you need in your life. And it's only found through God when you make him first in priority in your life. But too often, church, like myself, we, we often misplace our priority of God first. I think Jesus knows our human nature and life gets in the way and we start striving and struggling. We start looking at, at our needs in life and we start trying to fulfill life in our own way. And Jesus knows that's our propensity. That's the, the way we tend to shape our lives. And that's why we, we come to church to remind us. That's why we take communion to remind us of Christ. And that's why we fast so that we can turn and reset our attention back to, to the Lord. But also Jesus gives us some very practical ways to remind ourselves or to reset our hearts to keep God highest in our life. And I want to share these three ways with you. I promise I'll go a little quick through these, so just hang tight. But the first thing that Jesus says when he's helping us reset our priorities, he says this. He says in Matthew 6, 3, 4, and I'm going back above where I started and the end of the chapter. Now at the beginning of the chapter, he says, when you give to the needy. Hey, do me a favor. On the count of three, let's read those first three words together. One, two, three. All right, just make sure you, you heard that. That's in your Bible. So when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Well, one of the temptations in life is with money and possessions. It's one of the things that we chase around in life. And money and possessions is always competing to be the top priority of our life. And the Bible teaches us about this, and you won't see this on the screen, I'll read it to you, but in 1 Timothy chapter 6, it says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And it says, some people who are eager for money or who make money their priority, it says, have wandered from the faith, and it says they have pierced themselves with many griefs. And so when we make money our priority, it will only end up in grief regardless of how much money you make. It always lands in, in grief. Now, it says the love of money. So I wanna say to you, money isn't evil. And having lots of money isn't evil. That's not the evil part. It, it becomes evil when we begin to love money more than we love God. And so this is the point that Jesus makes when he says about when you give, because giving a portion of your money back to God will test your priorities. It will test your heart because you're gonna be challenged when you are challenged to, to give a portion of your money back to God at your church. And, and the challenge is, is, will you do it or will you trust in money more than trust in God? Will you give to God a portion of your income and say, God, I trust you. I believe that as I give to you, this is a way that I honor you with my life and this helps me to keep you as my priority. I will say to you that, that giving one is a test of your heart, but it also protects you from becoming a person that loves money more than God. That's why it instructs us in the scriptures that we should give to God every time we earn money. Every time you have increase and you ought to say, God, I'm gonna give it to you because I don't wanna be attached to the money, I wanna be attached to you. I don't want money to control me, so I willingly give to you, God, as an act of my devotion and my worship to you. So it protects you. So Jesus said, giving 
resets, well, I'm saying it, but giving resets my financial priorities. It resets us. I believe that the opposite is true on that as well. That when we don't give to God, then we are trusting in our ability to out-earn what's going on in life rather than depending on God. And I'll say this, I would rather trust God with less money than to trust myself with all the money. Can I get an amen, church? So Jesus goes on and he continues and to teach us how to set him as the priority. In Matthew chapter six, five, he says, when you pray, well, let's just do this one too on the count of three. One, two, three, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their full reward. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Prayer is holy because you're talking with the Lord. It's, it's just a holy thing to be able to talk to God. It's different than talking to your neighbor. It's holy. We get to talk to God. He invites us into a conversation with him. He invites us to, to ask him. He, he invites us into a, a reality that, that he is there for us and he will help us. When you pray, it, it's revealing some things. When you pray, it reveals that you really believe there is a God. When you pray, you're saying, I, I believe, I'm praying, I'm talking to God. I'm, I'm fully believing this. By faith, I am talking to God. When you pray, you're also revealing your heart that you believe that God is all powerful. I mean, why would you pray if he couldn't do it? So you're praying that he is all powerful. And when you pray, you are saying, God, not only you're all powerful, but you are able to do everything that I need in my life. And so you're praying and you're saying, God, I believe you, I trust you, I'm calling out to you and I'm, I'm believing that you are real. I believe that you are powerful and I believe that as I pray that you will reward me for my heart coming close to you. The opposite is true, that if you don't pray, then you are in essence saying, I believe I can take care of this on my own. I believe I can handle everything that comes at me on my own. I believe I'm good enough. I believe I'm strong enough. I believe I'm powerful enough. I believe I'm creative enough. I believe I can do it. Listen, prayerlessness is about worshiping yourself. Prayerlessness says that I don't need God. Prayerlessness is, is a lack of humility. Prayerlessness is, is saying, God, I'm going to strive and I'm gonna go to work and I'm gonna make it all happen and, and whatever comes at me in 2024, I can handle it. I wanna tell you right now, no, you can't. There's gonna be things that come into our life, good and bad, and you're gonna need God this year. And you're gonna need to pray. And there are things on your heart that you wanna see God move on. 
And listen, I want you to use this 21 days of prayer to reset your heart and reset your, your, your worship to God and, and begin to pray and say, God, this is what I need in my life and I'm counting on you, I'm believing in you and by faith, I believe I'll see the rewards of drawing close to you in this fast. So he encourages us to pray. And so prayer resets our spiritual priorities. And I love it when it says that when you pray in the secret. In other words, when you're, when you're not trying to tell everybody about everything in your life, when you're carrying some things and you're in your prayer closet, when, when you are getting up early before your children get up and you're sacrificing sleep to, to meet with God, when you are not posting about it online and you're just saying, God, humbly, I come before you. I want you to know he sees you. Listen, you don't need me to see you. You need God to see you. He sees you. He hears you. And it says that he will reward you for a heart that humbly comes before him. And so Jesus continues on helping us reprioritize our life. And in Matthew 6, 16, it says, when you fast, you ready? One, two, three. Do not look somber as hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their full reward. But when you fast, put on your deodorant and put a little perfume on and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting. But to your father, this is where it matters, isn't it? Where do you want to experience your, your power this year? But to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in the secret will reward you. You know, fasting is difficult. And I readily admit it. Fasting is difficult because it's a war with my flesh. It's a war with your flesh. It's a, it's a war with our schedules. Like you have to change your schedule. You have to get up earlier. You, there's things you have to do to adjust your life to be able to fast. And so fasting is a war with my, with my flesh. It's a war with my schedules. It's a war with our apathy towards God. We need to be passionate about God. And fasting is the ability to, to draw close to God. And when we fast and we, we eliminate, we disconnect from some things in the world, we are able to connect deeper with God and, and have the presence of God in our life in a fresh way. I want you to know that when you give your life to Christ, that his spirit comes to live with inside of you. You are, you are a host of the Holy Ghost. You are a host you carry the Spirit with you. When you go to school, when you go to work, the Spirit of God is with you. What happens though is our life begins to, to crowd out our sensitivity to the Spirit inside of us. And the distractions of the world and the, and the TVs and all the things going on, those things begin to, to clutter up our thoughts and clutter us up and, and in some ways cover up the Holy Spirit inside of us. And so what we want to do is unclutter and, and disconnect from those things so that the Holy Spirit becomes 
awakened inside of us so that we can sense him and, and feel him and, and, and hear him in fresh ways. Holy Spirit's in you. And one of the main objectives of fasting is to be able to experience his presence so that we know him and we carry his presence and his power and his authority if he is in us and on us and we carry that with us. There was a story in the New Testament about where Jesus was with his disciples and some Pharisees, some religious leaders, they came to Jesus and they said, why aren't your disciples fasting? Why aren't they following the law of fasting? And so Jesus answered them with an illustration. And he said to them this, he said, well, he said, do the guests at a wedding fast while they're with the groom? And he said, at some point the groom will be gone and once he is gone, then they will fast. And what Jesus meant by that is that Jesus being the groom, the disciples being the guest, and he's like, they're not fasting now because they have my presence with them all the time. But they said, at some point, Jesus was, I'm going to die, be resurrected, and then ascend to the Father. And then they will fast so that they can experience the presence of the Holy Spirit inside of them, and they will know him in a fresh spiritual way. And so the reason you and I fast, and the reason I'm encouraging you to jump in on this fast, is so that you can have his presence alive and fresh inside of you. He's there, it's just covered up. He wants, to, he wants to break out into your life and be more dominant, more, more powerful in your life. And if you'll surrender some things and you'll begin to fast and as your body cries out for snacks and your body cries out for those things and you'll turn to him and say, God, I'm praying and seeking you. Instead of being a person that suffers over food, God, I'm just gonna turn to you and say, God, I love you, I worship you. And I promise you this, the more you begin to put down those things of the world, the more his spirit will rise up and you'll hear him. It'll be so great. You'll be so happy. And the fasting that you do now will be something you carry with you all year long. So fasting resets my worldly priorities. And so for 21 days, you, you get to fast. How about that? You get to fast. You're welcome. Fasting just pushes back the world. And we make God our priority. And it'll be the, the most powerful thing you do this year. Again, the Bible says in Matthew 6, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. In other words, make God your priority. Seek God. And then the things that you need in life, he'll supply and I want to say to you, the greatest reward you'll have is the presence of God in you. Because with him, you'll have the wisdom you need for your job. With him, you'll have the, the supernatural strength to get through the, the deepest heartaches in your life. With him, fresh and just alert, your alertness of him in you, he'll, he'll carry you. And again, I don't know what this year brings for any of us. There's no promises. I will promise you this. You'll have good days. You'll have difficult days. And if you'll fast, and if you'll seek God, 
If you'll find your quiet times and you'll pray, you'll read your word, God will see you. He'll see your heart. Listen, God looks at the heart. He looks at the heart of a church. He looks at us and goes, are you all about programs? Are you about my presence? He looks at you and he's like, are you all about money? Or are you all about him? Are you all about television? Are you all about politics? Are you all about whatever your thing is? Or are you first and primarily all about God? And then all those things that are important to you, he'll start empowering you. He'll start helping you. He'll strengthen you. Listen, we're a spirit-filled church. And I believe that as you pray and you fast, the power and the presence of God will get stronger in your life. And you'll experience him in greater ways. And he'll work through you in greater ways. Fasting is first and foremost a, a moment to surrender and submit our lives to God and say, God, I give you all my life. I give you food, I give you things, whatever it may be, God, I, I, I give you my life and I surrender to you. There's probably people here today that have never made a decision to surrender their life to Jesus Christ. You, you maybe didn't even know, I need to do this, I need to surrender my life. I need to know Jesus and I will say to you that you can try to live your life without God. And, and in many ways you may find worldly success in some way, God has designed all of us with this spot in our heart that has eternity in mind, that has God in mind. There's, every person comes to a place where they begin to desire something greater than what the world offers. And I want you to know that desire is, is Jesus. It's to be forgiven of your sins and to, and to have him in your life as your priority and, and to live and find meaning and purpose through that. And so if you've never made a decision to choose Jesus, to make him your priority, to surrender your life to him, I want today to be your day. And so would you kindly bow your heads in this moment? And if you're here today and you came into church and this is information you haven't heard before, well, I believe by the, by the move of the Spirit of God, he has brought you here to hear this. And he's knocking on your heart right now. And he's inviting you to surrender your life and to follow Jesus, to have your sins forgiven. And if you've never done that, would you be just amazing and just lift your hand to me and say, that's me today. I want to give my life to Christ. I see your hand. Anyone else? God bless you. Now, Maybe you heard this message today and you realize that you need a reset in your life and you want to put God as your highest priority above everything else. And if God spoke to you today about that, would you lift your hand to me and just say, I know that's me. Most of us. Would you pray with me out loud? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. He came to earth. He died on the cross to pay for my sins. He rose from the grave to prove that he is God. He ascended to the Father 
I turn to Jesus today and I receive forgiveness. And I choose right now to follow Jesus all the days of my life. And I wanna make Jesus my highest priority. In Jesus' name, amen, church. Amen, church. Can you give a good clap for that? I wanna invite you to stand to your feet. It's been a beautiful morning here, but it's not over. And I wanna invite you to take this last part of our service and just worship God. And, and just renew your heart with him and say, God, I love you. And maybe in this moment of worship, just remind yourself and God that he is your highest priority. Another thing you can do is go to the corners of our room. We have communion and you can go to the communion table. There's a little cup there. It's got some bread and juice in it. The bread represents Jesus's body. The juice represents his blood that was shed for us that we could be saved. That's where he paid for our salvation. And you can thank him and say, thank you, Lord. But also our prayer team's on their way up. And if you have any prayer request at all, we wanna pray for you. Don't leave this room today believing that you can handle it on your own. So come to someone and say, I wanna pray. I want God to help me handle this and we're here for you. And so let's take this last part of our service and really just worship him through communion, through our lifting of our hands in worship and maybe in prayer. Church, I love you. I can't wait to see you next week. But I really want to hit this last moment with our whole hearts pure before him. So let's go.